much fun are we having already? There's so much fun here. Um, one encouraging thing is just Christmas is here. Kids on stage singing, it means Christmas is here. And so um, before I get into my message, just remember Christmas here. Remember Jesus this week. There's so many things you can do. Just try and remember Jesus one or two times a day. Maybe even set an alarm. Try and wake up a little bit early. We can get so flustered or connected to other parts of this Christmas next six, five, five or six days. Let's just remember Jesus. Um, he is such an important part of this um, season. I, I, I love this season. I, I was, one thing I do want to say is I don't know what, if it's cold or warm. Is it cold or warm now? I, I had, days ago, I was like, I'm going to wear this sweater. I don't know if I should have. But um, if I'm sweating later, just let it ride, you know? It's, we're at that point where it's like 40 in the morning and 80 in the afternoon. It's like, what am I going to do with that? Um, so, um, but yeah, I'm so excited to, to have a little conversation around um, love today. We're going to begin with the passage of Scripture, and then we're going get, to get in a little bit of a setup, and then we're going to get into the meat of the message. Uh, let's, let's read this passage from Luke 39 through 45. This is just after Mary has been visited by Gabriel, by she's kind of had the big kind of announcement that she's going to hold the Messiah in her body, and this is what happens right after. So uh, Luke 1, verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's house and, was, and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Side note, I think that is the first point of something being filled in the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Just kind of a fun little tidbit. In the loud voice, she exclaimed, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. If you may not know, uh, we've been kind of walking through the liturgical themes of uh, hope, peace, joy, and love. Uh, and each of those weeks have kind of gone on the journey of Advent. And within those liturgical themes, there's actually characters within the nativity story that kind of connect to each one of those themes. The first one, the Magi, connect to the idea of hope. As they progressively walk with the star ahead of them, they're, they're being led by hope. The shepherds are being the kind of personification of peace. They got the proclamation of peace in the fields when the angels gave them the big announcement. And then John, last week, if you didn't hear um, Benjamin, he focused his conversation around John the Baptist. Why John is connected to the idea of joy is because in this little... Um, uh, part of the scripture, we hear John leapt for joy when the moment that, that uh, Mary came into his presence, even in Elizabeth's womb. But Mary, the person who carried the Messiah, is often the person who connects us to the idea of love. The idea of 
what divine love coming into the world can do for us and how we as a person who's following Jesus and following the Holy Spirit even now can be the person who looks like love to those people around us. Mary is our example for that. So we're gonna hope that Mary, as we center the person of Mary, we will illuminate love for our lives so that we can receive and then become love around. Does that sound good? Let me pray, and then we'll enter in a little bit more. So Jesus, come. We say yes to you. We say yes to you being the moment, the person, the idea of Christmas. That your love is the reason. You came into this world for a purpose, and that purpose was love. And we'll accept it today. In your name we pray. Amen. So the key to this sermon, the, the kind of, if we were going to write it down, the, where we're ending up, what the big idea is that Advent is an invitation to be formed by divine love and to be formed into divine love. So Advent is an invitation to be formed by divine love and then be formed into divine love. But here's the thing with, uh, with love. When we start thinking about love, so much other chatter comes into our mind, does it not? Love is one of those words that we hear all the time. And in a reason why we hear it all the time is because some deep inside of us, it's a human desire for love. That maybe the pursuit of our life is love. Maybe realistically from our Christian perspective, it's divine love being the thing that's calling us forward in the pursuit of our life. But truly, it is love that we're trying to find. But as we walk through our lives, so many other things kind of catch our eye or, or water down our experience of love. And so many of us have a broken experience of love, broken perspective of love. And, and honestly, when we think about this thing that we're destined for, when we're so needing and desiring, there's so, many, so much other pain that comes along with it. Or just other perspectives. And, and what I would love for us to do is to kind of consider, what are we prone to? How, how are we prone to find what I would call lesser loves. These lesser loves and trade them for the divine love. The thing that truly is the thing that's calling us forward. But where, where are we looking for these lesser loves to, to satisfy? When I think about my personal way that I'm made up, the way that I've kind of been designed and how my, I kind of function in the world and how I'm kind of so prone to one of these lesser loves, I think back to this um, story of when I was 15 years old. If you don't know, uh, my wife Taylor and I have been um, dating since we were 15. It's very cute. You can say, ah. Oh. Um, we, we are high school sweethearts. Um, we, I, I'm not in high school. Sometimes I look like I'm in high school. I'm 31 years old, so I've been married for 10 years now. But um, that's crazy, right? Um, but so when we were 15... I was a hopeless romantic. Just loved everything about Taylor. I was infatuated by her. Everything that I wanted her to experience was this grand gesture of love, that she was just gonna be swept off her feet every single day. I would do so many things. I mean, I didn't say this in the night. I had caramel apple suckers in my backpack so that every time that I would pass her in the hall in high school, I would just give her one. 
because it was her favorite popsicle. I was just like, here you go, sweet, I'm thinking of you. Just because I wanted her to think and know that I thought she was the best person in the world. And that's awesome. I love that. I, I love, there, there is an important infatuation stage of a relationship. It's great. I mean, if you're in the early stages of your relationship, be infatuated by each other. Be amazed by how amazing each other are. But the reality is that infatuation is a lesser love. Well, and I had kind of built up this kind of moment of like, when I say I love you to Taylor, the heavens will part. <laughs> she will be overwhelmed, maybe even to tears. And it'll be an amazing moment. But this is the reality of when I said it. So um, we were 15, like I said, we were stargazing because Taylor had said I'd never, um, she'd never seen a shooting star, so I was like, great. This feels like a perfect kind of pressured moment. Let's find a shooting star. So we're out in the dark, um, looking at the stars, 15 years old. We see a shooting star. Maybe it was a slow-moving plane. I don't know. I'm, we, we claim that it was a shooting star. Um, and, and then I don't really know why it didn't happen in that moment that I told her that I loved her, but I think it, my mom needed to pick me up because I'm 15 years old. So she probably like, was like, hey, like, you have to come home now. Um, so I, I drove home and then got on the phone because I'm a 90s kid. So we got, as soon as we had seen each other, we have another two hours on the phone, just hanging out, chatting. And we were, we were talking about what was the thing that you wished for when you saw the shooting star? And I'm like, I'm, I kind of pre presented that idea knowing what I was going to say. And Taylor says, you know what? man, I just wish I was a country singer. I was like, all right, cool, yeah, totally, totally. That is a reasonable response as a 15-year-old. As I'm looking back, that is a reasonable response for a 15-year-old to say. And what I say, as I kind of catch my breath, she says, oh, what, do you, you know, what did you wish for? And I said, I wish that I'll always love you as much as I do right now. And then the phone died. <laughs> for real. We actually don't now, we don't know to this day what happened. Either she hung up, the phones died, or it was just divine intervention. <laughs> because I was, you know, I was a hopeless romantic. I was rushing that moment. She was not ready. She would have broken up with me if she actually heard it, she told me. So she actually didn't hear me say the statement. But she was like, I think he was just about to say that. So she called my best friend and was like, hey, um, Craig, is Sam going to tell me that he loves me, because if he is, I'm breaking up with him. <laughs> Which I didn't say at the nine either. But um, <laughs> Craig calls me, it's like at midnight, we're triangulating our relationship, it's fine. Uh, but he's like, hey dude, um, did you just tell Taylor that? I was like, no. <laughs> Definitely not, weird bro, whoa. And we did not talk about that moment for years. We had like another moment sweet later, many months in. It was a normal time to say that I loved you. Um, we just didn't talk about it until much later. And she was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, it deeply affected me that, <laughs> that I had like placed my love out into the world and just allowed it to fall. But, um, but what is it? I, I can see in myself that I'm drawn to the rush of infatuation instead of the stability of love. There's something about my way that I'm made up. 
There's something the way that I understand the world, that I present into the world, that I'm hoping to get from the world, that infatuation, the new, the passionate, the exciting, the fireworks, feel way better than the stability of love. What about it for you? What kind of lesser loves are you prone to trade in true love for? Or, or maybe you've had to trade your view of love in because you've had so many broken perspectives. Maybe somebody who um, was meant to offer you unconditional love clearly offered you extremely conditional love that throughout your life you said, I won't love again. Or maybe over the journey of your development, enough people said you're unlovable in direct or indirect ways, and so you felt like you had to change yourself to be loved or gain things to be loved, products, position, whatever it was, so that you could be the thing that you could be, accept the love that you so deeply wanted. Or, or maybe you just simply have trauma at the hands of those you loved. And you have the scars that are holding those. All of this kind of big mosaic of our view of love is affecting our view of how we can receive divine love. Because we talk about this thing so regularly, it's almost common, but it's so divine. So as we, as we enter into this conversation about love, I, I would love for you to lay down your views and perspectives of love. Because reality is, is the way to be love is that we lay ourselves down and then become love. So the invitation today is can we lay down our old perspectives so that we can actually lay down ourselves and become love? But what about Mary? Why is, why is Mary this connection, this, this kind of picture of love? Because love is sacrifice. The gospel message of love is that love is sacrifice. Love is self-giving other than anything else. And Mary, as a pregnant woman, a pregnant woman is almost the perfect picture to admire, but also the perfect example to emulate of what love looks like. If we're asking for love to form us and then be formed into love, the journey of pregnancy is that. That a woman's body is formed by the thing that they hold and then so that they can become something that they were not. I've this feels so connected to my experience right now because we've just watched Taylor birth another one of our children. Rain came into this world and I can see that now Taylor is something more, but her body was formed and changed and shaped. The sacrifice of that journey is so important for us to connect to. Why Mary is the example of love is because of this journey that she went on. Because through the journey of pregnancy, she allowed herself to enter into sacrificial love. That she got the promise of the Messiah, but the journey that she had to go through was sacrifice. It's so important for us to connect to this. Because so often, when we think about Mary, 
We kind of color her as this kind of amazing person that she is, and it's important for us to uh, kind of uh, revere her as the person who carried the Messiah in her body. But she was human. And so the journey of becoming pregnant, feeling the pregnancy, birthing the child would have been scary for a teenager. Would have been overwhelming to not have your family around. Even the, 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 the cumbersome, the, the sacrifice, the, the journey of a whole experience has to be connected to our understanding of how she represents love to us. Because if we disconnect her humanity from the story of her pregnancy, what we'll get is something that we can't actually emulate. Because we're all human. We all have the capacity to sacrifice for love. But in Mary's journey, in her, in her saying yes to that journey of pregnancy, it, it really does help us connect to what love truly looks like. That love is a sacrifice. That Mary actually did something beyond just infatuation for Jesus. Scott the painter, this guy called Scott Erickson, he's quite a, um, uh, a challenging, I don't know, he's like, Provocative, probably a good way to say it. He's quite a provocative painter and like image maker. And he has this amazing image of Mary that's quite provocative. And I want us to just look at it just for a moment and, and see what feelings come up. Because so often we see Mary as a woman who's not in pain, not cumbersome. But there is a necessary sacrifice for us to connect to as she went on the journey of pregnancy. Why this is connected to me is because I saw Taylor. This, this is the next picture of my wife. Taylor, this is moments after she brought rain into the world. A mother's love is the best representation of sacrificial love that I can physically understand in this world. And even more so, the way the journey of Birth is so beautiful and raw and important for us to experience and understand because it gives us an example. To lay down your life for another thing. What, Je what Jesus says in, and you can take that down, John, John 15, 3. How does he understand love? Jesus understands love. The, the, his representation, his theology of love says, no one has a greater love than this, than to lay down your life for a friend. That sounds like sacrificial love to me. But even, even more than that, there's these hints towards the journey and the experience of motherhood in the Gospels that so often we miss. And I've been kind of captivated this week. Again, probably because of my stage of life where I've got like a four week old and I'm like thinking about all of this stuff. But Jesus says, if you're going to receive the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. What an amazing, what an amazing story or image or, or idea that who's doing the birthing in that, in that story? God. So, so often we connect, we connect God to the father heart, and I think that's important. I think that's necessary for us to even connect relationally to God at times. 
But God is genderless. And so he holds both the, the male fathering paternal and the maternal nature within it. And so, of course, when, God, when Jesus says, you have to be born again, he's saying that God is going to birth something inside of this world through you. That through the journey of committing yourself to the process, something else will happen. Isn't that amazing? I even think about the way that Jesus talks about his own sacrifice. That it even has the the hint or the reference or the, the kind of harking back to his experience that he received from his mom. He says, my body is broken for you. My blood poured out for you. Right now, I, I can't disconnect that, especially when I'm thinking about Mary, the journey that she went on, that she sacrificed for the sake of, that she had something committed. It wasn't a purposeless, it wasn't a pointless, it was a very purposeful, committed love that she was going for. That's why Mary can be the example of love. Mary can be the example of love because she decided that she was gonna lay down her life for the sake of the Messiah coming. She had no idea. That song, Mary, Do You Know? It is a crazy song. Because Mary did not know. It's like, if you read the text, she did not know. <laughs> she had like ideas, but like she didn't know like the theological implications of him being the deliverer of the world. I love the line, like you delivered him, he's going to deliver you. That's brilliant. What an amazing lyrical line. But she did not know. Because if she didn't know, it wouldn't be faith. She stepped out in faith and, and accepted the call that the Lord had on, had on her. And the reality is, is that each one of us, each one of us in this season and really every season are called to be formed by love so that we can be formed into love. Rob, Rob offered this uh, at the end of last um, service and I thought it was so important that the beginning of this journey is the fact that you, need, you may need to receive love this, this week. To be formed into love, to be love for the world, maybe the first step right now is that you just need to receive love. It's been a long journey. Maybe you're anxious about seeing family. Maybe you're anxious about your life and how you're experiencing the world. Receive the unconditional love of Jesus that he is here with you, that God incarnate has come and that he can dwell with you, be your best friend, be your comforter, be your guide, be your mother, be your father, be everything that you need. But then what else? Where can we go from that? What's, what's the commission? What's the call for us to step into this world like? If we're gonna be the people who hear the advent call and say, yes, that's for us, that Jesus has come and the advent call is actually that he's coming back again. And that I wanna participate in the coming backness of Jesus. There's a thing that we need to learn from Mary. That we have to decide in ourselves what love is gonna look like. Really simply, what would sacrificial love look like in your life this next week? 
What would sacrificial love look like for your loved ones in your family? What, what, what could you do to, to offer sacrificial love? I, I even love the idea of gift giving. Gift giving is, there's kind of an implicit sacrifice in it. That like, I've sacrificed money, finances, you know, it used to be that you wouldn't buy something from Amazon, you'd like go find something and then give it. It was a sacrifice, it was like a, I want you to have this, part of me to part of you. Like, make sure that you give gifts to one another. Love one another sacrificially, love each other well. But I think there's even another step. I would like for us to um, read the next verses after the verses that I uh, initially read in, in Luke 1, 45 through 56. This is Mary's response. After Elizabeth has said, how blessed are you, this is how it goes. It says, blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And then this is Mary's response. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost being, inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has, he has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to, to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our, our ancestors. And then Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three more months and then returned home. In Mary's response, she says, I'm going to respond to this call, this promise, and I will choose the sacrificial journey of love. But what's the experience going to be on the back end? It'll be an experience of justice. Can you hear the, the language of justice being created in Mary's response, knowing that if I do this, something else will happen? What, what I love about this is that love and justice do have this relationship within them. Think about this. We just did this amazing thing as a, as a community. Peace Prep Kids got incredible donations, amazing work. It was an act of justice so that all of those kids got amazing coats. I packed them. They were really nice coats, like really nice. I love it that they got like real nice coats. But when they open that gift, on like there's a huge bag that there's going to be underneath their tree that says Peace Prep. When they rip it open and somebody says, hey, what did you feel? They're not going to say, I felt justice. They're going to probably say, I felt loved. We do acts of justice so love will remain. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these will remain love. At the very end of that, that's a, that's a, that is a vision for the end of time. That when the great sweeping 
divine acts of justice happen in this world, everything will be made right. That's what justice really means. In our, in our image, things made right. When that happens at the end, our experience will be love. That after eternity has begun and we are in that moment of Jesus coming back and the final, the second advent has happened, our experience won't be like, gosh, I feel justice. It'll feel, I will feel love. And so this week, of course, sacrifice for those who love you love. Sacrifice those, those the Lord has given you. But I would ask, what are simple ways that you can act justly this week? Knowing that the experience will be love. And the experience will be sacrificial love that that person will receive. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. Like, I know it's Christmas week. So, like, if I was hearing this, I'd be like, I'm going to buy a million things and, like, build a shelter. I don't know. Like, I'd just go crazy. Do something simple. Make sure that the elderly neighbor on your road has got somebody looking after them on Christmas. Make sure every one of your kids' friends has a place to go. Make sure that those in your extended family, the wider rings of your family, have somebody calling them on Christmas. Simply make things right this week. If you see something that is wrong, work to make it right. Because that's what Jesus would do. That's what Mary has offered as an example for. That sacrificial love offered into the world often looks like justice. I saw this, um, Band, you can come on up. I saw this uh, uh, over on the east side. It says, justice is love in full bloom. What a great quote. This is probably uh, influenced by Cornel West's uh, quote that he put up in 2017, where he said, uh, Cornel West is an amazing, influential um, thinker. He's a professor. He was at Harvard. He's at Princeton. He's at uh, Union Seminary in New York. But he says, justice is what love looks like in public. Think about that. Mary did something in private, in the manger, in the stable, that we can now experience in public but how do we participate that? I would make sure that we've taken care of all of those in our private realms. Take care of your family. Do that. And then work towards a way that we can act justly in the world so that the world will experience sacrificial love that so often looks like justice. We're gonna enter into a, a moment of worship and uh, there's lots of different ways you could respond. You can just first be thankful and maybe receive the love of Jesus again. Maybe that's exactly what you need to do. That would be your starting place. Receive the love of Jesus. But maybe if you want to go another step, ask the Lord, is there somebody to highlight? Is there a, a place or a, a person that you need to go and consider of how you could act justly towards them this week? Show them sacrificial love. We have communion stations around the room and, and maybe that would be a way for you to connect to the sacrificial love of Jesus that now offers us a new life. Whatever it is, 
Spend this time. Don't rush away from this place. As soon as we leave here, we will rush into this week. This week will fly by. You probably have seven minutes of chill. Use it. Allow the Lord to, to speak. Allow the Lord to do something within you, to cultivate a sacrificial love so that the world can see what Jesus looks like. In your name we pray. Amen.